if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, hour number two is underway now at 11 minutes past 10, a little late start to the hour. We had a little bit longer run with Jim Jordan, and uh, I regret nothing. Really good conversation with the congressman. I um, I got to do this. I started the program talking about the horrific uh, attempted assassination of two police officers in Los Angeles County, two sheriff's deputies, to be more precise. And the fact that these two individuals who were shot while sitting in their car, not even involved in a violent confrontation, not involved in a use of force situation, they were just sitting in their police car, their deputy's car, the sheriff's car. And an individual walked up to them at point-blank range and shot both of them. Both of them were taken to the hospital where the emergency room entrance was blocked by Black Lives Matter protesters and other assorted animalistic savages. Those same animalistic savages stayed outside and chanted, we hope they die, we want them to die, death to cops, while the officers were in surgery. There's no other way to describe that. What is being done to police by liberal politicians in endorsing and emboldening this type of animalistic behavior and the type we see night after night after night in riots in major American cities, violent crime, arson, looting, etc., etc. All of this emboldened and encouraged by liberal politicians who will not tell police to do their jobs and arrest these people and lock them up and hold them with high bail So they can't go back out there and do it again. The only way to bring peace to these violent streets is to arrest those who are out there committing violence. All of them. That's how I started the show. Now I'm going to start hour number two with giving you an even worse example. In this case, it's Cleveland. And in this case, our police aren't allowed to police by the police what are you saying bob i'm saying this that criminals 
and thugs are in control of cities, the city's streets when they're allowed to point guns at police officers and the police officers are not allowed to pursue them. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to play for you. This is public information. The Greater Cleveland Radio Communications Network from two nights ago. This was Saturday night. Two nights ago. Was this two nights ago or was this last night? Hold on, what's today? Today is the 14th. This is actually September 13th. This is last night. I beg your pardon. I guess this was last night. But this is the Greater Cleveland Radio Communications Network. And what you're going to hear is the voice of police officers calling into dispatch saying that this thug just pointed a gun at not one but two different zone cars. And when pursuing, because let's be honest with you here, uh, you know, if somebody points a gun at a police officer in a car or not, and that police officer pulls out his gun and fires and kills that suspect, it is one billion percent justified. You don't point a gun at somebody without expecting to be shot at. So this thug pointed a gun at the zone cars, but instead of the officers pulling the gun, their own guns out, they chased. And as they were chasing, they were told by dispatch to cease their pursuit. I want you to listen to this. It's a minute and a half long. We got a knife, 5 and uh, 5 and 10. 6 we're coming. Going eastbound on Denison, packing the gun in his waistband. He's got putting the gun in his waistband radio. Terminate pursuit, terminate pursuit, terminate pursuit. Terminate pursuit, terminate pursuit, terminate pursuit. Clear the air. He's pointed the gun at us again. Going eastbound on Denison, passing Fulton. This is Sergeant Chapman, 2734, terminate pursuit. Acknowledge. There are pauses. Three, six, we're not pursuing. Tell him stop. Be aware that there are pauses in radio calls. This is just how this works. Do not think it's dead air. We're just listening to it in its entirety. Acknowledge. Any other card I was pursuing, acknowledge. Terminate. Still pausing. 3-3, three, three, we copy. It was a Honda, gray and black. He had a red and black hoodie with a helmet on. Pointed the gun. Grabbed the gun out of his waistband with his left hand, turned around at us, and was about to shoot. He went eastbound on Denison, and then we, uh, we're turning around now from 4-7. Just to confirm, he pointed a gun at two zone cars? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Sam, three four to that car. We get back at the district in the garage. Copy. I'm going on three three. We're heading there. You can hear the frustration, the exasperated sigh there at the end by the officer. They told dispatch that this suspect pointed a gun at two different zone cars. 
That's a crime. That is a threat, and that is a crime. And as you heard, they were ordered, I don't know how many times he said, terminate pursuit, terminate pursuit, terminate pursuit, terminate pursuit. Why? Why do you think Cleveland cops were told not to go be cops and take a dangerous suspect who is pointing guns at them off of the street before they point them at a civilian and kill somebody? Why? Play it out with me. You know the answer. If they pursue this criminal thug who pointed a gun at them, and that thug, not wanting to be arrested, fires at the police, and the officers have to fire back, and let's say for the sake of discussion, hypothetically speaking, they kill said thug. What happens? Black Lives Matter descends upon Cleveland like flies to a pile of steaming dog crap. They'll be all over the place because the police will have shot another black suspect. Never mind the fact that he's pointing his gun at cops. Cleveland would rather let a dangerous suspect with a gun who's bold enough to point that gun at police officers, two different zone cars, they'd rather let him roam free in the community to commit whatever type of crime they want to commit than engage that individual and perhaps affect an arrest. Now, I don't know who's calling the shots in the Cleveland radio room, in the dispatch center. I don't know if those are direct orders from the chief. I don't know if those are direct orders from what part of the command staff, but my gut is, my, my, my belief is, that it's probably from the mayor. It's probably from the mayor. The standards are we're not going to chase anybody, no matter how violent of a threat that they may oppose to the general public. We're not chasing them. Let them go, and if they shoot somebody, we'll respond later. It probably has more to do with the Civilian Police Committee or Commission or whatever they're called that was formed as a part of the consent decree that has a ton of just a bunch of Black Lives Matter protesters on the committee telling cops they're not allowed to go be cops. God forbid that this fine upstanding citizen who pointed his weapon at two zone cars, God forbid he actually engaged or that the officers actually engage him and have to shoot him. The thugs have all the power in the city of Cleveland. That was made clear by this radio call from last night. The thugs have the power. They can point their gun at cops. I wonder if the cops would have been allowed to pursue had they fired a shot. Or would they? Would we continue here? Going eastbound on Denison, packing the gun in his waistband. He's got putting the gun in his waistband radio. Terminate pursuit. Terminate pursuit. Terminate pursuit. Terminate pursuit. Terminate pursuit. Terminate pursuit. Clear the air. He's pointed the gun at us again. Going eastbound on Denison, passing Fulton. This is Sergeant Chapman. Two stand three four. Terminate pursuit. Acknowledge. Three six. We're not pursuing. Tone stop. Seven times. Acknowledge. Any other car that was pursuing, acknowledge. Terminate.
to the officers who made the radio call seven times they were told terminate pursuit then just in case anybody else in the area was going to pursue the car with the suspects in it that was just described by police officers in doing police work in case anybody else thought of trying to take violent criminals off the street as they point guns at police officers you also terminate pursuit you let those fine upstanding young men go we wouldn't want you to actually have to you know protect and serve This is unacceptable. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Dial now. We'll get you next. AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. 1027, the Bob France Authority continues. Let's go to uh, Pat, who's calling us from Independence on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Pat, go ahead. Pat, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. Not hearing Pat. Can you hear me? Okay, go ahead, Pat. Yep, gotcha. Okay, I'm, I'm being heard now, right? Yeah, Pat, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, we have a glitch. All right, I agree with you on the walkaway thing with the, the sports and all that, but I think you're giving way too much credit to the NFL that they don't want you to know who these people are. I don't think they even researched and found out who these people were. They were, like, given a list. They plastered it on the, on the helmets, and that's as far as it went, because they're not thinking. And the reason why I think this is that I remember uh, years ago watching a clip of this interview with Saul Alinsky and I think Mike Wallace, where Saul Alinsky said that he could get businesses and corporations on Friday to finance the revolution on Saturday, even though they'll be executed on Sunday. So here we have academia, the media, the left, all convincing everyone that they've won the culture war. Businesses are worried about their bottom line because they think everyone is thinking like them. So they kowtow to... Antifa, Black Lives Matter, all this left-wing stuff, because they think, oh, my God, if we don't back them, they're going to come after us and take our money, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think the only way to get them to realize that they're backing the wrong horse here is just stop watching. But that's going to be easier said than done. Well, you're right about that. Um, it is going to be easier said. And it's a great point you just made, and I'm glad you pointed that, that Alinsky interview, because it does. It kind, of, it kind of does outline, and thanks for the call, Pat. It kind of does uh, mirror, if you will, or maybe since it was first, it kind of was prescient in, in what we're seeing right now with the NFL. And you're right, they're stupid. They don't know, they don't know what they're doing. They don't check these things out. Um, but they're afraid if they back the wrong horse that um, you know it's going to hurt their business. Look. 75% of the NFL is, is black players. Maybe, maybe 70% of the NFL is black players. Uh, around 85% of the NBA is black players. So players, do you think they're going to get in with the BLM movement? Of course they do, which is why the Alinsky tactic works, or Alinsky attack, a tactic works, by the way. And not just Alinsky, but others. Uh, you know, the, the Marxist playbook as well. Uh, includes the you know the framing of their issues in the most positive light in order to bring people on board in support 
or feel the wrath or the shame uh, of not doing so. For example, the peace and justice movement was used to uh, oppose the Iraq war. And, and who can oppose peace and justice, right? The evil United States warmongers that they are trying to oppose themselves in foreign countries, uh, we need to stop them, the evil United States, and we'll do so by painting the movement in the best light possible. Rather than being anti-American, it's just pro-peace and justice. Who could oppose that? If you do, then you're going to be you pay the price as a warmonger. Well, this is the same situation with Black Lives Matter. How do we paint the United States in the worst light possible? How do we try to stop them uh, from, you know, uh, the the uh, goals, if you will, that the United States has as a constitutional republic? Well, you have to come up with a name like Black Lives Matter. And you foment racism, and you call America evil and racist and and unfair and unequal, etc. And you do so with a name like Black Lives Matter, because who could possibly argue against Black Lives Mattering? If you argue that Black Lives don't matter, then you're a racist. So they do. They, these are all Olinsky tactics. You're a thousand percent right, and it works. So the the uh, uh, and I know we got to get to our break here, but the uh, uh, Black and uh, the black populations, if you will, of the NFL and the NBA rosters make it very easy for them to say we are all in and we are all behind Black Lives Matter. Never mind the fact that the Black Lives Matter organization has nothing to do with actual black lives. Uh, that's a long response. I apologize for that. We'll take a time out for news now. Bob Paduchik of the Trump uh, Pence campaign will join us next. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side. And then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 1037. Thanks again for being with us uh, on the authority. We uh, we have so much going on, honestly, right now. Um, we're, we're losing sight, I think, at some point, sometimes, of the presidential campaign before us. It is coming up on us faster and faster and faster, early voting getting underway. We've got a debate coming up in 15 days. Uh, but there's so many things going on with the attacks on police officers, sometimes we put it to the side. Let's get back on that track right now and welcome Bob Paduchik back to the program. Bob is a senior advisor to Trump Pence 2020, joining us on uh, The Authority. Hi, Bob. How are you? Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to be on The Authority. It's good to have you. Uh, you know, we're sitting here looking at some terrible things going on in our city streets uh, here in Cleveland, uh, uh, certainly in Los Angeles yesterday, with we saw that horrific shooting, which we saw that horrific shooting, and then the protesting at the hospital, demanding dead cops. I mean, it's it's a desperate situation. Uh, how how is the president, to your understanding, Bob, since you're a senior advisor, able to balance campaigning? for the next four years with dealing with what's going on in the insurrection in our streets right now? Well, no one works harder than this president, whether he's campaigning or whether he's keeping the American people safe or uh, fighting against China on these bad trade issues. Uh, He is tireless in his efforts to fight for Americans. Uh, You know, look, where where he has the opportunity to bring uh, federal government resources in, like a place like Kenosha, these things get calmed down and, and law and order is restored. Uh, in areas like uh, uh, Portland or uh, Seattle, where they refuse to have any assistance or help from the federal government, uh, these things fester and go on for hundreds of days. Yeah, they do, and uh, and I agree with you. I mean, I I, I marvel at it. How, how old is the president now? Is what is he? Seventy uh, three. Three. I okay, I was yeah. going to say four. Yeah. 
I am blown away by his stamina. And I'm not sitting here just, you know, this isn't just going to be a Biden interview. You ever notice the Biden softball interviews, every question he's asked? I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. Nobody yeah, will ask. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but I, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm blown away by his stamina, his ability to go from city to city and, and, and speech to speech and event to event, meeting with Middle Eastern leaders and brokering peace deals while doing that. I mean, I'm not kidding you. His ability to multitask and to never look fatigued. You know, he's he's 73 and, you know, he's he's not a marathon runner. You know what I mean? He's not a physical fitness nut yet. He is yeah. so incredibly his stamina, so incredibly high to do all of these things all at once. And it blows me away. It, 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 it's unbelievable, Bob. I, I just can't imagine how he is able to do it, because while many of us were home in bed and sleep at 1 a.m., he was finishing up a huge rally in uh, in Nevada. And so, uh, you know, it. It's just incredible. But he understands what's at stake here, Bob. I mean, this is about the future of our country and making America great and putting Americans back to work is, you know, it's his patriotic duty. And so I think he's able to rise above all these personal attacks, whether it's from the Democrats, the media or some Republicans. He looks at his job as restoring America's greatness as uh, the single most patriotic thing he can do, and he's dedicated to it. All right. Uh, Bob Paduchik, like I said, this isn't going to be a Biden interview. I have to ask the real questions and the tough questions, and I'm going to do that. Um, The president's had to answer for a lot of things over the last few days, and... um, I have been one who has been answering for him, in my opinion, based on context as I understand it, particularly relevant to the COVID-19 response, the the Woodward story. We know where it is. You know, in February, uh, uh, he said uh, he knew it was going to be very serious. But then in March, he told the American people it's no big deal. Uh, he said he wanted to downplay it and not freak Americans out and not panic Americans. Now, I understand. My, here's my comparison, Bob. I said it's like the proverbial duck on water, beautiful and calm on the surface, but paddling like hell underneath. That's what I thought the president essentially was doing here. He wasn't going to show the American people fear and panic. Oh, my God, this COVID is going to kill us all. He was going to say, no, it's going to be fine. We're going to be this is going to be no big deal. It's not we've dealt with the flu. It's no worse than the flu. But behind the scenes, they're wrapping up PPE. They're doing all of the things that needed to be done to provide you know hospitals with resources and ventilator production, et cetera, et cetera. How would you characterize the way the left is portraying the president's response back in February and March? Well, listen, they're against this president on anything and everything he does. I mean, we have three to four different vaccines at at last count that are on the verge of being approved and ready for distribution. This is something that people said would take years, not months, to get done. Uh, You know, we have more ventilators now than we could possibly use. We have uh, the... PPE, the everything that was done in rapid succession, cutting through the red tape and getting things out there. And, and, you know, that's the reality of the job that was done here. Now, you know, the Democrats want to take this, you know, they complain that the president doesn't act presidential at times as one of their biggest grievances against him. But then when he does act presidential on this coronavirus, they're the first to attack him and criticize him. You just can't 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 win with these people. But no, look, no, we're, and, and, we're and you know the other thing. The other thing, if I may, Bob, you know, if he comes out there with a freak out press conference saying, "All right, we're aware of this virus. It's coming from China. It's very, right. very deadly. We need to lock everybody down immediately. We need to close businesses immediately." If he had made that approach 
In the middle of the Ukraine impeachment hoax, they would have accused him of trying to wag the dog to create a national crisis to take the focus off, if not stop the impeachment proceedings altogether because everybody needs to hunker down in their sh- and, 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 and shelter in place. Uh, that's what they would have accused him of doing. Do you agree? Well, you look, everything, every opportunity they have to make an attack, they do. And, and so I, I think that's a very reasonable thing that you're saying right there. I mean, you know, that, the other thing is that's where their focus was. They were trying to impeach the president over a hoax uh, while this crisis was, was emerging. And, look, it's easy to Monday quarterback on a lot of this stuff. That's what they're doing. And every time Joe Biden or one of his most liked – I should more accurate for me to say his spokespeople and campaign representatives, because he barely talks to the press anymore. Uh, every time one of these folks comes out and, and levels their criticism, they have very little and substantive things to say that, that they would have done different under a Biden presidency. Uh, so it, it, it's just it's more of the same of what we've seen over the, the last three and a half years of, of how they treat this president. And uh, they've tried to undermine his leadership and his presidency. They spied on him. They tried to undermine his uh, administration before it even started. It's, uh, it's pathetic and it's weak. And many in the media are complicit. And American people see right through that. And that's one of the reasons why he's going to be reelected. On Friday, of course, we had the 19th anniversary. We're talking about Paduchik, senior advisor of Trump 2020. Uh, we had the 19th anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks on, and the president, of course, uh, was honorable, as he always is, and respectful of those who lost their lives and the first responders who tried to save so many lives on that day and all of the heroes that were, were identified. Saturday, the next hit piece. You know, it's funny. We went from suckers and losers and that made-up story from 2018 that they tried to drop on us last week that he referred to our war dead in such terrible ways. We know that it was a lie. No, no less than 15 to 20 people who are eyewitnesses have put their names to it that that didn't happen. All we have is four anonymous people who said that it did. Uh, you know, then they go into the one we're talking about now with the COVID response. And Saturday morning, uh, the headlines are all about Trump denies aid to first responders and 9-11 heroes. The allegation from CBS uh, in their report was that the president or the Trump administration is taking $4 million, or was it billion dollars? I think maybe a billion dollars. Uh, away from New York's first responders fund for 9-11 uh, heroes and survivors to pay back a debt that the state owes to the federal government. Um, the Treasury uh, spokesperson responded saying, no, it was $1.9 million, not four, again, whatever the number was. But uh, they said they essentially inflated the figure to make it twice as much. But I didn't get a response as to what this is all about from the president or from his team. Do you, can you shed any light on that, or is this just another, Look, you know, this, we're, this we're two is, months yeah. away, silly season hit piece? Yeah, no, they, these are manufactured. <clears throat> I mean, you, you know they're manufactured because Joe Biden, who takes like a week to plan a, a you know, 30-minute trip to Wisconsin, has to... Um, uh, when he comes out and has a press conference two hours later after the news breaks on one of these stories and has everything lined up and ready to go and the teleprompter for the fake Q&A and everything, uh, you know, you you, you got to see the complicity there. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, here's the thing. One of the things that really bothers me the most is that the media is asleep at the wheel. They're just not doing their jobs. There's some of them that are out there actively 
helping Joe Biden get elected. And there's others that just seem to have amnesia when it comes through to things. I mean, we have a, a, a two minute and 30 second spot of every single Democrat that you can think of from Eric Holder, Obama's attorney general, to Maxine Waters, to Nancy Pelosi, to Chuck Schumer, talking about encouraging violence against Trump supporters. Uh, and, 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 and what you see is the results of that is uh, two sheriff's deputies uh, gunned down, uh, ambushed in uh, Los Angeles County. You see police officer killed in Cleveland just recently. And, and frankly, you know, the media ought to be focused on some of these real issues as opposed to some of these imaginary issues. But the fact of the matter is they're not. No, they're not. You know, you mentioned Biden and the. T- I want to just ask about the the debates that are coming up. It's fifteen days away. Um, I, I, I you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do to help him, but I feel like they're going to do whatever they can to help him. You saw the same thing I did. Michael Moore, liberal film director Michael Moore, who hates right. Donald Trump like he hates no one else actually busted Joe Biden for this in his appearance on uh, The Late Show. I said Jimmy Kimmel earlier when I talked to Congressman Jordan. I meant to say James Corden, who was doing The Late Late Show on CBS. And Biden holds up a picture, a framed, glass-framed photograph of him and his sons. Uh, Bad move because it reflected the teleprompter in front of him. He needs a teleprompter to do an interview with a comedian on a late-night talk show. Um, he needs a teleprompter when he does everything he does from his basement. We can see why they've hidden him for so long. What are your expectations, Bob Paduchik, of, of Biden on the debate stage on the 29th? You know, I don't know how they're going to do that. I, I don't know how he's going to function in that capacity. I, I, you know, you're right. It, it, you know, and, and, and James Corden is like a friendly comedian. It's not like, you know, he was going on where someone was going to give him a hard time or anything. So I, I just don't. No. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced the guy's even going to show up, to be honest. Uh, it, it's, it, it's bizarre. But, but here's what we know. He, he is a 47-year career as a politician and debater. Uh, we saw him debate, you know, uh, in the vice presidential uh, debates in uh, 2008 and 2012. He's not a bad debater, so there may be a little bit of rope-a-dope going on where they're, they're trying to, to, to put this stuff out there to sort of lower expectations so that if the guy shows up and doesn't, like, collapse on stage, that they can declare it as a win. Low bar, but, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. So, so there may be a little bit of that going on, but, but the fact of the matter is, there's a lot that Joe Biden can't answer for, and, and especially in Northeast Ohio, where I grew up, uh, you know, he supported NAFTA, and, and he defended NAFTA for many, many years after that vote. He supported most favored nation status and, and World Trade Organization permanent membership for China. He sought on China. His, his family's made uh, tens of millions of dollars off of China, his son has, and you know, we in China want Joe Biden to get elected uh, for all this talk about Russian hoaxes and everything. We got real serious, clear issues with Joe Biden on China. And I think that hurts him in Northeast Ohio. I know it hurts him in Akron. I know it hurts him in the Mahoning Valley. And uh, it's going to hurt him in Cuyahoga County as well.
Bob, I'm going to get to wrap it here with this question. Do you expect there to be a fair election because of the mail-in voting? And I want you to see if you can answer the question that George Stephanopoulos mm-hmm. threw at Jason Miller. Today, sent another tweet encouraging people to vote twice in North Carolina. We'll put that up on the screen right now. Uh, you know, Twitter said put a warning label on that tweet. And the North Carolina attorney general responded as well, saying, uh, do not do what the president directs to make sure your ballot counts. Sign it and send it in early. Then track it online with ballot racks. Do not vote twice twice it's a felony and what the tweet was what the tweet that the president actually sent out said was um, north carolina to make sure your ballot counts sign it and send it in early and when the polls open go to your polling place to see if it was counted if not vote in other words you know cast two votes and that's what the question that was posed to jason miller was how do you see that yeah that wouldn't be that wouldn't be two votes if you go to see if your vote counts and you find out it doesn't then you're only voting once. If you go and you find out that it does, and you don't vote, you haven't committed a felony. I, again, this is this is this is just. But what, what if? But what, what if Bob? What if their answer is, well, we don't have a record of it counting yet because it's an absentee ballot that you cast, and those aren't going well, to be no, tallied but, until but, later. How do we know? Actually, the boards of elections. I used to be a clerk at the Summit County Board of Elections, so I, mm-hmm. I don't. I, you know, I never worked in North Carolina, but okay. even back when I was a clerk in. Uh, in uh, 1990, those counted. I mean, you, it was reported on the roll. The, and, the, and you knew you the, knew by election day. You knew by election you knew day on that... election day when you when they have a poll book. Now they mm-hmm. it, it's gotten a little more electronic. They have a hard poll book, but they also have electronic backup. Okay. I guarantee. I bet everything I own, at least in the state of Ohio, that if somebody has gotten an absentee ballot and has returned it, and the board has received it, that is marked in the book got it that's that's a great answer i'm glad to know the facts about that and then uh real quick 30 seconds give me on the fairness of this thing do you think sure. that there will be widespread fraud because of mail-in ballots particularly those that are unrequested not talking absentee talking about the unrequested live ballots that are being sent out all over the place well where these states have changed especially like in nevada there's going to be really big problems because within a couple months ago, they just decided, hey, we're going to send everybody a ballot in the state of Nevada without checking the voter rolls. How can there not be, would be my response to that question. How can there not be problems with this? And, uh, uh, and that's the danger of trying to change the rules of an election in the, you know, the last couple months before. It's insanity. And but it's what the Democrats want, and it's part of the reasons why they they're so soft on these uh, protesters that are, are are becoming rioters. Is they want the anarchy because they 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 think it helps them on election day. Bob Paduchik, senior advisor to Trump Pence 2020. Bob, uh, we went a little long. I apologize for keeping you so late, but really important questions we had to have answers to. Thank you so much for speaking up on behalf of the campaign, and we look forward to catching up again. Thanks, Bob. Take care. And God you bless. got it. You got it. 1054. We're going to have to get out and then come back in and end it right here on The Authority. All right. 1057 final segment of the broadcast. Thanks again to Bob Paduchik. Thanks again to Jim Jordan, who joined us earlier earlier on. Yeah, I have zero faith. Let me say it again. Zero faith in the integrity of the upcoming election. President Trump keeps talking about how it's going to be rigged. He's not wrong. I mean, the fact that there are going to be live ballots floating around the mail system 
and landing in boxes where people don't live anymore or old people, bear with me, this is not an insult to old people. You understand there are some people who take advantage of their grandparents or great-grandparents, particularly if they're not as uh, alert as they once were, and they're going to take them and say, sign this, Grandpa, and they're going to make them sign a ballot, and they're going to cast their vote for them. All of these different types of fraud you know, are, are possible. Now, are we saying that it's going to be done by the millions? No. Not necessarily, but it doesn't have to be. Do you remember how President Trump won in 2016? By some razor-thin margins in the most important and crucial blue wall states. Those races could be decided by a couple thousand votes. Could there be a couple thousand cases of fraud if mail-in ballots are counted? Absolutely there could. The balance of power could shift in one or two key electoral vote states, changing the outcome of the race. And I'm sorry if I sound like this is hyper-partisan, but I do not believe, because we have not seen any evidence of this, that Republicans are going to be the ones committing the fraud. Stealing ballots, writing out ballots, scribbling names that you can't read so you can't really tell if it's what it says or not, putting it in somebody's name who's dead or moved away, and all of these different things that we know can happen with the mail going uh, unsolicited, live ballots going out to all, all sorts of locations. Republicans haven't done that. The Democrats have been. They have been busted doing it countless numbers of times. So I'm very, very worried about that. That's where we'll have to leave it today. Thanks for being a part of the show. Certainly appreciate that. Look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. Um, And that's going to be it. Mike Gallagher's coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Stay here. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence.